Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's quest, the first quest of 2023, will have us covering everything 2022. That's right, today is the Hub Awards. You waited for it, you asked for it, here it is. My name is Jules, and today our party members are... Mateo, Dino, and Riley. Joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, be sure to like and subscribe. Now let's get this adventure rolling. Skipping housekeeping today, we can housekeep next episode. Today we're getting right into the awards. So for those of you who missed our awards last year, these are the Hub Awards. They're an award, I guess, show where we are all going to take a bunch of categories that we determined beforehand and share with you our personal winners. Now, we did not vote on this. We are not collaborating on this. We are sharing our individual choices for each of these things. Um, that comes with all of our subjectivity and biases and favoritism, which is the fun part about this. So we hope you enjoy. It is primarily focused on video games. However, there are some awards that are dedicated to TV and film as well. And we also leave room that if somebody feels like they just don't have a choice for one of the categories, you don't have to share. It's okay to skip a category if you just don't feel like anything you played fits. Um, and we also don't necessarily limit the game awards, at least, um, portion to games that came out in 2022. There, we also extend it out to things that we may have played for the first time in 2022. With that being said, let's get it rolling with our very first category. So our first category today, let's talk about the bad. What was our most disappointing game in 2022? Anybody can kick that one off. Okay, I'll start this one off then. And it's not a game that I necessarily think it's awful, but I had such high expectations for it, and I kind of didn't meet them, which I feel happens a lot, but like, I was pretty disappointed with Dark Tide. I thought it would play a little bit better than it does. It kind of feels, despite having... They tried really hard to adapt the 40k setting. I feel like it's all style and no substance. It doesn't feel quite right. That's rough. I've heard good things about the game, but... Interesting to hear your take. It just feels like Left 4 Dead with skins thrown on top. When I think of 40k, I have a specific vision in my head, and it strays pretty hard. Like, the guns feel, like, weak as hell, and that's, like, the opposite of how 40k is supposed to be. I think I can go next. Uh, we were all kind of looking forward to playing the new uh, Mario Strikers game this summer, and when it came out and the online mode was kind of a little eh, we kind of just forgot about that game and really haven't gone back. So that's probably going to be my my most disappointing. Just uh, not for anything. Nintendo has gone and supported the game with new characters and new armor types. It's just that it wasn't enough to bring us back. And the online mode was kind of like what we were hoping to have for our Hub World FC. So we can go online and have a little bit of fun. But it just it just never happened. It wasn't in the cards. I feel I second that one. It's not my choice, but it was one of my potential choices. Mm -hmm. Definitely a disappointment. At bare minimum with Strikers Battle League, they should have just copied and pasted, for lack of a better term, the stuff they did with the original Mario Strikers and, and Strikers Charged. Like, to have the tournament mode the way it was in those games, the online mode had so much promise, and it just didn't deliver. And now, like, they're done supporting that game with DLC. That's it. Hopefully, if there is a next time, they listen to the fans and give us what we want. But at the same time, I don't think there's going to be another chance for Mario Strikers. I think Next Level Games is going to be doing their own stuff. 
but that is actually not my pick. It's my runner-up, but it's not my actual pick. But my most disappointing game of this year uh, has to be Overwatch 2, to be honest with you. Uh, and it's not because, like, it originally was supposed to be the campaign and the multiplayer launching at the same time. The thing I don't like about Overwatch 2 at its root, I think, is the fact that it replaced Overwatch 1 as a package. Like, Overwatch 1 in its state, like, in the state that that game finished in, can never be played again. Overwatch 2 is replacing it, and I don't like it when games do that. But then the monetization in that game is disgusting, and the fact that we had all this Overwatch currency from Overwatch 1 saved up, and we can't use it to buy new stuff in the game, I think is a huge failure on Blizzard's part, and it's a really huge disservice to fans that played lots of hours in the original game. And then uh, the most recent event i haven't played it but i heard it's awful people are saying it might be one of the worst events overwatch has ever had period the game doesn't have that one big thing that lures everyone to play it like i haven't touched overwatch 2 in almost a month and i just have no motivation to play it even the launch of that game was a nightmare as well i didn't even touch on that but that's another separate can of worms that we've talked about in the podcast before but yeah for me like overwatch 2 is hands down was my most disappointing game of the year Hopefully it'll get better. I feel that. There's definitely some disappointment regarding that game. I'm honestly, I haven't touched it since season one. And yeah. even at that, I wasn't even motivated to go through the season pass. Like I went out and bought it and I'm like, this was this was a waste of money. My mis- most disappointing game of uh, 2022 is actually my most anticipated game of 2022, as stated last year at the 2021 Hub Awards. I made the bold statement that my most anticipated game of 2022 was Chocobo GP. (laughs) And that game was so much worse than I thought it could be. I had I didn't have the highest expectations, but I was thirsty for some new like kart racing content. And God, that game just destroyed me. The monetization, it like really it was a high, like one of those firm examples of like the very, the two very different faces of Square Enix. There's like the hardcore, like AAA games that they put like every ounce of fiber into to the, to the point where like they care more about animating the single strands of hair than they care about like anything else. And then they have the other side where like they just heavily monetize everything. And that game is just such a disaster. Well, one of the other issues about the game was not just the monetization. Like, the game itself, like, actually was kind of fun. But, like, one of the biggest issues with that game was the fact that, like, there were, like, actually, like, quite a number of tracks. I think there was something like 24 or 30 tracks. But they all encapsulated, like, six different themes. So it would be, like, there was, like, a, like, the Final Fantasy VI city theme and there's like four tracks that use that exact same texture pack and like sure the layout of the map is different like there's very it doesn't feel like there's a lot of variety Hmm. because of that because they chose to have all these layouts but then just have them all be the same different themes anyway and the theme song is rough and the voice acting so moving away from that Let's go to the other side. So sometimes we're surprised because something we were excited for is just a disappointment. But sometimes we're surprised because we didn't have high expectations and something was very pleasantly surprising. So what was your most pleasantly surprising game of uh, 2022? 
I have a feeling that we're going to have an overlap on this one, at least a couple of us. Yeah, most likely, but I'll kick this one off since I went last last time. And it's not what you think, because I'm sure that many would would probably think from listening to this podcast that I might say Sonic Frontiers because I really like that game. But I always believed in Sonic Frontiers, so it did (laughs) not surprise me. (laughs) My most pleasantly surprising game was actually a game that when it was announced, I had zero care for it. And I actually thought it was stupid that they were doing it. And then when it came out, it got good reviews. So I bought it and I I was addicted to it for like two weeks. Um, Shovel Knight Dig, fantastic game. It's like a roguelite Shovel Knight game. And I can't believe how addicting it is. Like it's, it's, they like took the idea of Shovel Knight and like mixed it with like kind of like SteamWorld Dig idea of like getting as far down as possible, but then also like merging that into like a roguelike. And it was really, really well done. Like I actually really, really enjoyed that game. Um, and it was definitely one of the games this year that I just bought because I heard good things. And then it still like impressed me. It, I did not expect that. When it got announced, I was like, give me a real Shovel Knight game. And I take that back. Like, this was a, a great experience. I remember do, playing the demo for that at PAX one year. This was like, what, 2018, 2019? They, they definitely announced it a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, they let it sit and bake for a while. And I'm glad that you had a good time with that. I guess I can go now. I will say that I actually might be stealing this one from Mateo because... I saw him playing this game, and I'm like, this seems like totally right up my alley, and it was. And that is Squanch Games High on Life. I had an absolute blast with that game. The humor's great. I actually, like, sat and did a lot of, like, the stupid things. Like, I got the the dipshit uh, achievements. I sat there for the eight minutes and watched the commercial for the special prize, and it gave me an achievement. I sat around and listened to a lot of the different audio from the uh, the character interactions and things like that. And I've also been watching a lot of uh, clips on YouTube of, like, hidden stuff that I missed out on. But, yeah, High on Life has just been an absolute blast. Definitely gotta love that, like, alien kind of Rick and Morty kind of humor. It's, it's some good stuff. High on Life is one of the ones that I was considering, but, like, as Jules said, he wouldn't put Sonic Frontiers on there because he always had faith in Sonic Frontiers. but Sonic Frontiers, to me, was the most pleasantly surprising. Like, not because I thought the game was going to be terrible. Like, I was always planning on buying the game and playing it. But just the arc of my hype for that game, where, like, when it was announced, I was very excited. And then the first IGN reveal came out, and it was awful. Like, it just looked terrible. And, like, how is this game going to be good? And when I bought the game, I I heard things from critics I do respect, and they were even kind of met on it. But then... Ultimately, it comes down to you playing the game. And when I got it in my hands and I played it, literally the second the game started and I got to run around the overworld, that was when I knew, okay, I'm going to have a really good time playing with this game. And I did almost everything in Sonic Frontiers. And I normally don't do that with Sonic games. No matter how big of a Sonic fan I am, I still cannot get over how surprised I was with how much that game clicked with me. And... Yeah, like High on Life was good, but like, and they both both games are in my top ten of the year, which are like is surprising to me at the end of the day. But yeah, I could toss a coin with either of those, but right now I think I'd go with Sonic Frontiers. Okay, there was no overlap like I was expecting, but that's all right. 
<laughs> I'm actually kind of torn with some of these. So, you know, I'll take the safe answer. I'll say Elden Ring was the, my pleasantly surprised because I had such high expectation and it met all of them. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not actually going to do that. But my actual present surprise is Pokemon Scarlet. I feel like that, upon reflection, that is the true answer because I was put off from Pokemon so bad after Sun and Moon. I skipped a gen and then I had very low expectations for this one. And I was... I I had a lot of fun. I played a lot. You were the first one to finish it. Yep. It's the most fun I had in a Pokemon game since, I think, Gen 2... No. Since Gen 6. Gen 6, I had a lot of fun, too. That's what I thought you were going to say, Riley. Really? Okay. We'll move on to... Before we get into, like, the bulk of, like, the other games, we'll kind of mention... There wasn't a ton of them, but I think there was enough that each of us liked that it's worth mentioning. Our favorite DLC or expansion... Um, from this year um, so that can be something that is technically a standalone that uses like systems from something or it can be an ongoing game expansion or it could just be like a smaller dlc just what's some kind of additional content to something that we're playing that we really enjoyed this year i wish joe was here it'd be poe every time yep <laughs> i just want to go for this one because mine's very quick so i'm going to pick the mario kart 8 booster pass we got six cups this year or this past year and it's just more of the greatest mario kart game ever made and yeah. i'm shocked that it, it, first of all that's just got announced period that they're actually doing this uh and i'm almost happier that they're doing more dlc for mario kart 8 as i would be if they did mario kart 9 but at the end of the day there's so many people that are playing this game right now that just made too much business sense for nintendo i guess that they made this but some of the f- my favorite tracks of all time came back, like Calamari Desert, Peach Gardens, Rainbow Road from Mario Kart 7. Like, and there's even more that got data mined. I'm not going to get into them, but like, and the fact that this is not done yet, there's still going to be more cups coming. I might even be able to talk about this in the next year's Game Awards. <laughs> I just love Mario Kart 8 so much. So I had I, this was like the clear front runner for me. <laughs> okay, I want to go now. Riley, before you do, though, because I think we're going to agree on one thing, I do want to throw out an honorable mention. Okay. Um, World of Warcraft Dragonflight. I was oh, expecting this to be a bit of a stinker, but I was pleasantly surprised by it. The dragonflying mechanic is very, very fun and intuitive and new and fresh. Uh, I was actually going through the game. I got all of my dragon riding upgrades, so now I can basically fly from one end of the map to the other end of the map super, super efficiently and quickly. They have all these really cool racing modes where you can uh, basically do like kind of like time trials where you're flying your dragon throughout the islands and uh, basically like zipping around all the different cliffs and things like that, which is, which is really, really cool. You, you get a real sense of speed uh, with that. The storytelling in the oh. expansion was also very good. But this is just my honorable mention. That's a good choice. Yeah, it, it is a good one. I, but I do think that uh, if you're going to name what I think you're going to name, that is going to be my number one also so i'll let you i'll let you talk about it i just wanted to mention wow okay so i think i assume you're also talking about witch queen yep okay yeah witch queen i i think was phenomenal i think it's the best expansion destiny 2 has ever gotten still think one destiny one one's better but witch queen i think was fun, like fantastic they did a great story the raid they had was cool and then the seasons they've had go on go like ongoing throughout the year have all been pretty substantial story-wise Ex- well Plunder, not so much. And also now that I think about Risen's okay. But Haunted and Seraph right now, they're mm, chef's kiss. 
uh, Bungie's staff, uh, their writing staff, definitely has done a really good job. Three of the four seasons, as Riley said, uh, for this uh, year of content in Destiny have been really, really strong. Lots of really cool story implications. Lots of really cool new weapon types. They've really upgraded all of the uh, Destiny archetypes. So if uh, you've been playing yeah, that, but... it's it's been good fun. And they brought back the Taken King raid. So that was the best raid in D1. So we've been having a lot of fun in that. Orcs for life. Can't wait to see what they do with Lightfall in February. Now, my favorite DLC from this year is the DLC. The delicious last course that I've been waiting for for years. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, Cuphead Delicious Last Course has been one of my most anticipated things of all time. Riley and I completed it in pretty much a day. Definitely tough at times. There's nothing better than more Cuphead. Cuphead is doing well. He got a show. He got his Delicious Last Course. Um, the brand is doing very well. Like, Yeah, I, I was just very happy with it. Um, our next award is the best game soundtrack of the year was unironically listening to uh, the God of War Ragnarok OST at multiple times during and after uh, playing that game. So that's going to have my vote for sure. Just like the intro when like the choir is just singing just those notes like the and just the build for that. I can just see like Kratos walking with the Leviathan axe like slung on his shoulders like slowly approaching like a group of enemies and stuff and it's just like you know he's about to kick some ass. I would almost agree with you. Like, God of War is very close for me. A very close choice. And I think some of those songs, like, specific, like I for what, what you're saying, I listen to the Odin theme. But, like, I think my choice is more consistent overall as a soundtrack. Whereas, I think God of War has, like, three songs that are individually better than anything that my choice has. I think, overall, it's a better collection of music. And I'm going to have to go with Elden Ring for that. Even though it's, you know, standard from soft affair, I still think all of that's extremely well composed. And there are quite a few standouts that I still have playing in my head. From soft are masters of setting the atmosphere of their games with their music at this point. I think they hit it out of the park with Elden Ring again with that. Well, Mateo, shall we crush them both with what I assume is our collective answer? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think I know what it is. Absolutely. <laughs> There's no game that deserves this award more than the game that was robbed of it by not even being nominated at the Game Awards. And that is Sonic Frontiers. And there's no mm-hmm. fighting. All Sonic games have exceptional sound design. But this game was next level. Like, there's so many good rock anthems in this game. I still, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, every morning I actually listen to the, like, six rock anthems from Sonic Frontiers, like, on repeat in my car on my drive to, to work, and I get really amped. They're so good. Like, they're some of the best. Even though there's no Crush 40 track, they're still some of the best tracks that Sonic's ever had. Like, all six of them are really, really good. Um, And it's not just the rock anthems. Like, the atmospheric music in, like, the zones, like, I, like the open zones are whatever. They're fine. Like, they're not bad. They're not, like, anything memorable. But, in my opinion, at least. But some of those um, cyberspace levels just had bangers. Like, I, I cannot stress how exceptional the music in Sonic Frontiers is. I think you undersold the open zone tracks in my opinion. Like, Breath of the Wild gets a lot of flack from people saying like, oh, there is no music in Breath of the Wild. But like, I disagree. I think the open zone tracks and all of the zones in Sonic Frontiers are 
fantastic. I feel like Sega probably would have done something crazy and put some weird pop song in the background. They actually sat down and thought about it and realized, no, less is more in this situation. But like still like the 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 types of instruments that they used, especially in the desert one, like I remember actually seeing a YouTube video of the the orchestra that recorded that song. And like they were using some crazy instruments for that I've never seen before in my life. Like Sage's theme is incredible as well. JK, it's awful. Yeah, the one stinker on the soundtrack is still memorable because (laughs) it's a huge joke. But like, I love everything else though in that soundtrack. Big's fishing theme, like all of that's fantastic. The end credits theme, I think it's, I always get confused. It's Vandalize or it's the other one. But they're both fantastic. One way dream. Yeah, my personal pick for my favorites, Vandalize. But Sonic music never disappoints, uh, and it did get robbed by everyone else. The Hub World is fixing that. I also want to give a quick shout out to Kirby in the Forgotten Land because I think Kirby also, like Sonic, has amazing soundtracks. And Forgotten Land, I love its main theme, and I love the uh, I forgot. I always forget the the final boss. I love that theme as well. And then Horizon Forbidden West main theme. I think it's Into the Flood. Phenomenal. But I can't pick an entire soundtrack just for one song. Well, good music this year. It was more difficult than I thought it would be. Oh, I'd also like to give a shout out to uh, Ghost Song. The indie Metroidvania that was put out on Game Pass and Steam. That's good music. Okay, we have a couple more game awards, then we're going to break it up. So our next game award is the best multiplayer um, so this can be online multiplayer, this can be local multiplayer, whatever you want to interpret that as. But what game do you think had the best multiplayer? Um, I actually want to go first with this one because I honestly, I don't think anyone else is going to pick this. But I picked Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. And the reason why I picked Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel is because it does what it needs to do perfectly. Aside from playing against a player that doesn't have good internet connection, the gameplay is seamless. They cycle in all these different modes every once in a while that are really fun. Like, oh, you can only play with normal monsters. or You can only play with a specific type of extra deck uh, monster. There's quick play. There's ranked. And the ranked gets really, really difficult. And it's also a fair ranking system. And then the local multiplayer, it's just traditional Yu-Gi-Oh! as you you always want. This is the Yu-Gi-Oh! battle sim I've always wanted. And the reason I've always wanted one like this is because the multiplayer in other battle sims just doesn't work, whether they're fan-made or not. Like, this is the first time I feel Konami, particularly Konami, has absolutely nailed a Yu-Gi-Oh! battle sim. So that's why I'm going to pick Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. I also want to chime in just a little bit on this one too, Mateo, just because I feel like it's a really good choice. Picking up this game and just like recommending it to your friend is also very, very easy to do too, because the game is very, very fair. Yeah, of course you can buy gems and turn gems into like card pack pulls and everything, but at least when we started playing this game last year, it was very, very fair and very, very reasonable to get into this game, build a few decks with all the gems that they give you just by logging in every day. For the first little bit and like you're able to build like two or three like very competitive very fun decks mm-hmm. so you can recommend it to a friend and be playing with them in a matter of just a few hours or like maybe a day or two i'm gonna say i have kind of like a bit of a toss-up for this one here i'm a bit torn between uh like two specifically like kind of couch co-op uh slash online co-op only games uh that's gonna be uh like for the couch co-op mateo and i both played through kirby 
and the Forgotten Land together. That was very, very fun. And just it was just like good couch co-op, easy going. But also because Kirby games can get very competitive and very chaotic very quickly. Like some of those boss battles when we were trying to get like all of the Waddle Dees got like really hectic because we had to go out and fight specific bosses and not get damaged at all or use specific items. That was really good fun challenges just to like do locally. Uh, and also like Shredder's Revenge was a really good online experience that the four of us did have together and now that i think about it because we all played online together and had a lot of fun with that i'm going to go with uh, tmnt shredders revenge for best multiplayer just because it's like it's purely a multiplayer beat-em-up game and it was just so fun playing it with you guys uh-huh. yeah i yeah. second that that's one of my choices i have two games mentioned for this one but one of them is tmnt shredders revenge i was really impressed by that game like i i do like arcade beat-em-ups kind of but like i just had a really good time playing it you know dominating is master splinter the best character in that game better than all I the turtles statistically casey jones is the best character in that game but yes statistically casey jones who you don't get till you beat the game but yes i i really enjoyed that game as well and i'll also give a shout out to another game that i feel you know did a pretty good job with the multiplayer a game that i just finished the other day with mateo um, Gotham Knights. We had a blast playing that multiplayer. That mm-hmm. game is severely, severely underrated. And by no means is it a, an incredible game, um, but it is fun. And if you're a DC fan, it's a blast to play with a friend. Um, and don't listen to reviews. It is not a 5 yeah. out of 10. It is like a solid 7, 8 out of 10. I think TMNT was also great. That would be my choice, but there's two other games that are I play multiplayer a lot and basically dominate my life this year. I mean, they're both really fun co-op. One's PvP isn't as good as the others, although they both have their their issues. I think I'm going to have to go with Destiny, though, because Destiny is inherently a social game. And with Witch Queen, it finally brought back my favorite raid, so I got to teach that to a bunch of new people. Like, Gio Mateo! I finally got to take you all the way through it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, good. We're talking about the PvE side of Destiny, because like right now, PvP is yeah, not in a PvP good place. PvP makes me want to put a fist through my monitor in pvp elden ring definitely takes the cake because i love duels and i think it's multiplayer is also good but i'd have to go with destiny on this one yeah destiny pve there's nothing like a good raid okay and just before we get to our like non-game awards our last game award we will talk about for now is which game do you feel had the best narrative this year so that would kind of be like best story but i put best narrative because not all stories are stories i think i'm gonna go first because i'm gonna i think i'm the only one that's actually gonna pick this game but i picked horizon forbidden west i think pound for pound against another playstation exclusive game uh that i'm not going to talk about i think forbidden west it has the better narrative i also think as a single character focused journey i think horizon is fantastic and there's a lot of cool twists and turns that i never saw coming and the ending for this game really, really, really gets me excited for the future of the series. Even the side quests, like the, the things that you do in between the main missions, I feel like they feel really substantial in a way that the first Horizon game kind of didn't feel that way. So I really feel like they leveled up their game in that regard. And then as well, just the characters. Yes, Aloy is the focal point of the game, but the supporting cast is fantastic. And they do a really good job of fleshing out the supporting cast with returning characters from the original Horizon, and then 
new characters that are also really interesting that got fantastic moments. So I'm going to go with Horizon Forbidden West for best narrative. I don't want to get into spoilers because I know Jules is going to play it eventually. And then also just for the the listeners, if they haven't played it, I highly suggest you play it. It's my favorite PlayStation game that came out this year. All right, I'll go next. You say Sonic Frontiers, I'll be very sad. I'm not going to say Sonic Frontiers, but I'm also not going to say what I assume you and Gino are going to say. My favorite narrative by far this year was Xenoblade Chronicles 3. This game handles its characters so well. Like, in a very different way. Like, of course, like, other games like Horizon and other, like, Western games um, are very, like, Hollywood in their storytelling, which is great. But I love my, like, anime, like, Japanese over-the-top stories. And I love Xenoblade 1 and 2 because they're these giant, like, epics. But Xenoblade 3 is something, like, completely different. Like, Xenoblade 3 is my favorite story of the three um, and I felt that when I beat it, and I still feel it now. So one of the things that Zombie 2 did very well was it handled its characters very well, but its overarching narrative wasn't the greatest. And then Xenoblade 1 had a really good narrative, and the characters weren't handled as well. Um, This one was like a perfect balance, because the characters were super developed, super likable, and they like completely explored all of them except for one who they've ironically barely explored but also the game has like a heavy focus on the themes of the game like it it has this big overarching theme that has to do with like time and using time and what it means to use time and to lose time and to waste time and it just like explores that concept to the like biggest degrees and in the end like the the ending of the game was actually very divisive among xenoblade fans because a lot of people were upset that the ending wasn't more of a spectacle like xenoblade 1 and 2 because they chose to just double down into the theme and there it was a very thematic ending and it was it was all about just like exploring like this internal conflict of the human condition and i really really thought it was brilliantly done like i i was very satisfied in the way that it balanced xenoblade one and two's narratives converging while also telling its own story my favorite story of the year for sure you know i assume we have the same one I'd like to preface this by saying it's been really hard for me to not just choose elden ring for everything well i think elden ring's lore and world building is fantastic i it's hard for me to say its narrative is the best so with that in mind and the honorable mention also to Ghost Song. I'm going to choose God of War. I think Ragnarok did a fantastic job with the with growing the characters from the 2018 one. I really like the characterization of Odin and Thor in Ragnarok. I think they made for pretty compelling antagonists, specifically Odin. There are a couple parts during that where I teared up a bit. So, I mean, that doesn't happen with me often. So I think, you know, props to the writers for, for Ragnarok for that. Yeah. I'm I'm also in agreement for for God of War Ragnarok. I was actually teetering between Horizon uh and God of War Mateo and I almost picked Horizon until recently because just like I don't know, just like I felt like with God of War it was just such a complete experience and yes, I'm sad that we're not getting a third game in this style in in the Norse uh series. It's also nice because they didn't overstay their welcome. There was a lot of really cool nods uh, to lots of other like Norse myths and characters and things that we didn't really see in the first game. 
like hearing all the other little stories and everything from Mimir and the other characters about like other bits and pieces of the lore was also really nice as well. I I felt like it was a very complete story between uh, all the characters in that game and to a large extent it is still a continuation of the story of Kratos, but I feel like characters like Atreus and Freya and other characters really did a really good job and of flight fleshing them out. There was some points in that game where I'm like, wait a minute, are we the bad guys here? Like, do Thor and Odin have a point? And I'm, definitely I'm, had a point. Yeah, I was convinced that like, okay, this is just Freya and Mimir really hating Odin to the point where they're making him a villain and he's not really that bad. And I was questioning that. I felt like that was just really good storytelling because just like I had a blast with it. I wish there was a third game, but I understand why they did it in two. Very good choices. Speaking of narratives, we're going to take a break from games and we're going to move into some of the other 2022 medias. So we're going to start with film. What's our favorite or the best film of 2022? This is a prediction. I think we might all have the same choice. I don't think we do. I don't think we will. Interesting. Well, I know Riley and I probably then will have the same one. You might also be surprised, but... Oh, I'm, I might be disappointed now, but uh, if I might be the only one, then I'm going to say it. Well, my favorite movie of 2022 is The Batman. And I knew the second I came out of the theater, because I saw this movie, I think, three times in theaters. The second I came out of the movie, the first time when we saw it in IMAX, I thought to myself, the bar has been set very, very high this year, and I doubt any movie I see after will come close, and I was right. The Batman, I think, is my favorite Batman movie, period. And that's even including... If I, I'm throwing animation in that, because like, I love Mask of the Phantasm and uh, Under the Red Hood, but like, Hell yeah. the Batman is, I think, my favorite Batman movie. The Riddler is a fantastic villain, in my opinion. I know a lot of people don't like that, and a lot of people are kind of afraid with Riddler, but I don't want to get into that. Uh, I love the fact that they kind of avoided doing a Batman origin story, but in a way, it's still a very inexperienced Batman, and we don't really get to see that very often, especially in live action. <laughs> Riley was just humming there. The score is amazing in that movie, and then you really get to see, like, I feel like Gotham City is as, like, dirty and run down as it's ever been, and I think that's the setting you need to have to, to show why there needs to be a Batman as well like they set up a lot of stuff for the future whether it's in little easter eggs they're doing a penguin series and like colin farrell's penguin was a standout in that movie so was carmine falcone robert padson's batman i've defended him since day one and i'm so happy that i can say i was right about robert padson if you get an academy award nominated actor to play batman you're in the you're in good hands and it's really helpful that he's a huge batman fan as well the batmobile is incredible the fight scenes were incredible the cinematography was incredible just like that movie i feel like warner bros went out and got the best people to make that movie matt reeves is such a visionary and a fantastic writer and i know the batman franchise is going to be massive like this movie didn't make a billion, and I think the reason why it was still, like, it was March of this year, there was still a little bit of reluctance for people to go to the movie theater, but I feel like that was such a treat watching that movie. I've seen the Especially movie, like, five, yeah, like, I've seen it five times now, 
and I'm not tired of it. Normally, by the fifth time you would see a movie, like you would kind of expect everything to happen again, like like you know from beginning to end. For me, I'm still finding stuff in that movie that I really appreciate, and it's going to age so well. Mateo, I don't disagree with a single thing you said, and I want to say that Bat- the Batman was my favorite comic book movie in easily the last 10 years, but unfortunately, my choice for best movie is, I don't actually know if you've seen it, but as much as I love the Batman, I think what left a bigger mark for me this year was Netflix's All Quiet on the Western Front. I can't really recommend it to people, because it's very depressing and very grim, but it was like haunt like beautiful in a haunting way and it was i think a very good tribute to the horrors of world war one wasn't that a book yeah it was also a book yep. it was also a, a movie back in what the 30s i've never actually watched the original yeah i think it was a very well done anti-war film if you have the stomach for some you know gore and horrific depression it's worth a watch um i think I'm going to take that and uh, go just a little bit differently in the, my direction here. Is, <laughs> Sorry um, about that. No, no, it's okay because like we're getting a wide variety of different things. And personally, I thought that the Roku weird Al Yankovic movie with Daniel Radcliffe was absolutely amazing. I was laughing so hard at so many different scenes different uh, like the movie definitely didn't go where i thought it was gonna go like i knew it was gonna be a parody but like the movie itself is a parody of his life and there's little like glimpses of truth sprinkled throughout but just like just like a weird al song it's like certain things are familiar but then it brings you in another direction that you never really expected and i think thoroughly enjoyed every moment of that movie it was so good i i was grinning from ear to ear and like my dad was watching it my my mateo was there as well and we just we all had a really good time it was just really funny i would very much recommend that and i will break the trend of mentioning movies that are likely considered to be uh, cinematically masterful movies i think the best film of this year and i stand by this the best film my favorite film of this year was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And I will unironically and like very adamantly say that I am not embarrassed to say that. I really loved that movie, and I thought it had some fantastic interpretations of all of the Sonic characters. I thought Jim Carrey was at his peak. Like, like honestly, like I've been a fan of Jim Carrey for a long time. I genuinely think that was very possibly his best performance ever. Like, he's so good in it. And that movie is so good. I just, I adore it. And I, I know we've talked about this in another podcast, so I'm not going to retread things. And I know there's things people didn't like about the movie, but I just, like, loved it. I had so much fun. That is my movie of 2022. Interesting choice. There's also a couple movies that I really wish we'd seen that we talked about, and I feel like if we had watched them, they probably would be contenders, such as the new Puss in Boots movie, which I heard is actually really good. Yeah. And um, the unbearable weight of massive talent that we still haven't watched that we're supposed to, Jules. And then the other like honorable mention, I will say, although I personally like, I liked it. That's all I was. I liked it. Everything, everywhere, all at once is very, very well done. But again, Sonic the Hedgehog two has nothing on it. Yeah. I'd, then I'd also like to make an honorable mention to Top Gun because I think Top Gun Maverick was a lot better than I expected, and I had a lot of fun watching that movie. Okay, lots of good movies this year. We will move on to um, 
our best new TV series of 2022. So this has to be a, a TV series that like begun in 2022. It could have concluded in 2022. Like you can include limited series as well, um, but it can't be something that predates 2022. Um, we will have a separate award for the best new season of a of an ongoing show. But um, for this one, what is your favorite new TV series of this year? Um, I'll kick this one off because mine is going to be something completely different than anybody's, and I know that already. But there's a show that came out this year, a new um, sitcom show, and I love sitcoms. I love things like um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Parks and Rec, like shows that are centered around, like, you know, like real-world occupations, and then, like, take a spin on them and it's like let's let's interpret this in a funny way while also like in a very educated way like while it's like over dramatic it's also like very real and anybody who's in those occupations probably like gets an extra layer of laugh and i've always said i'm like i really want a sitcom like this set in a school because i'm a teacher and 2022 gave me that show um abbott elementary is hilarious um it's about a group of teachers teaching elementary school and it's all the funny sitcom shenanigans um but in a school and i know it's not like a serious show i know there was a lot of serious like really great shows that came out this year um that could have been mentioned but this one is just one that i really like it's on disney plus yeah i watched abbott elementary and it definitely scratches that itch that like i've gone through all the office and i've gone through all of parks and rec now and i want a similar show and it definitely is one that I can see myself by the end of the show. I can see it being like on the same level as those. And like, it's just so fresh. And I think that is what comes down to it. Like you, there's no sitcom in that setting. And the writing is just so fantastic in that. And like, they can actually do a lot of good in this show as well by like pointing out actual problems with the education system or like how kids sort of behave like how to handle a situation like that in a classroom like there's a lot of teachable moments and i feel like that is kind of the point because the setting is in the school it's just such a fantastic show but my favorite show of this year is one that i knew like the second it was announced like i was there day one i watched every single episode Unfortunately, we don't have worse shows in oh 2022 as a as a, a category rally. But yep. this show is one that I followed the production of it. I wanted to know everything about it before I watched it. I stayed up till midnight to watch every episode. And it is James Gunn's Peacemaker. Oh, yeah. Yes. This show had no business being as good as it was. And I mean that in, like, the best way possible. Like, Peacemaker is like a j tier dc character he was fantastic in the suicide squad like john cena owns this character as far as i'm concerned like like they are filming the second season but i hope that's not it because like the dc universe is gonna go through changes now if peacemaker gets cut because of circumstance i completely understand but at the same time i want john cena to keep playing this character because he is born to play peacemaker it's the most laugh out loud show I've ever seen in my life. And I mean that like, and I've seen so many comedies, like the characters are fantastic. Like his relationship, Peacemaker's relationship with vigilante is something I never knew 
I wanted. As like I said, I followed the production of this show. They originally had a different guy cast as Vigilante, and they reshot everything up to a certain point with him. But so who's like, the original? It was Brian Asher, right? Or Byron Asher? I've, I honestly don't know the name of the actor. All I know is that the original actor left because of creative differences or something like that, or scheduling conflicts. So they recast him, but they didn't skip a beat. John Cena, his delivery of all of the punchlines and all the jokes are amazing. He's on point. Like the comedic timing of the show is amazing. Like James Gunn's writing is impeccable. Like it's so good. The intro where they do the dance, like the dance scene in the intro is amazing. Like I've ever seen that for the first time and my jaw dropped. Okay. Like, and then, being a massive DC fan, like if you watch the show, you'll be able to pick up on Easter eggs for DC characters and events that have happened in the DCEU. So like it is so good. It's not a very long show. I think it's only like eight episodes, but they, they don't skip a beat. There's no bad episode of that show. And I hope season two carries that momentum because the show is just so fantastic. I think Mateo said everything that should be said about that. I agree with him. I think Peacemaker is the best show this year. House of the Dragon was cool, but Peacemaker is better. Yeah, um, I I was gonna talk about House of the Dragon, and then and then yeah, Peacemaker. Well, a lot of praise for Peacemaker. Maybe I'll watch it one day. Please do. You haven't? I watched the first episode, and I was very bored. It takes him like four years to watch shows. It took him forever to watch season three of Daredevil. Season two of Daredevil. Okay. Well, speaking of seasons, what was your favorite? new tv season of 2022 so this would be of a show that you may have watched before but best new season i don't really watch a lot of tv and like the tv that i do like spend the time to watch is stuff that i watch with mateo and my dad and i have to say the the newest season of rick and morty has been pretty good so far we haven't finished it all just yet but i'm feeling like rick and morty rick Rick Rick, 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 rick 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 and Morty. Okay, there goes the uh, there goes the monetization of the video. JK, we don't have that yet. <laughs> the new season of Rick and Morty is really good. It's not my choice, but it it is very good. I, I I don't really watch a lot of like serialized TV. Yeah, that's fair. I had a couple in mind for this one actually, but ultimately I've decided I'm giving it to Stranger Things. Now, Ooh, I had only watched one season of Stranger Things before this year. I'd watched the first season. I really liked it. I just never went and watched the other seasons, but there was so much buzz around this season and how good it was that I was like, I'll I'll rewatch season one and then watch the other seasons and watch season four. And what a ride. I'm so happy I did. And I've heard really good things about season four, but I've also heard a lot of people say things like, oh, like it ruins the show or it like goes too far it's too wacky like things like that and i 100 disagree with anybody who thinks that like i actually think that like i think stranger things was a fun quirky show that was like well done and how it tried to capture like it or like stand by me like the kind of like group of kids like facing like adult things like that kind of like old kind of style of like storytelling i thought it did a good job of that in the first season but I didn't really care for that style of storytelling. But damn, like season four is like incredible. Like they they do a really, really good job of like world building and lore and like and there's clearly intention too. That's the thing as well. Is like I think a lot of people sit there and they try to argue that, oh well, none of this was planned or they just made this up. But I I disagree. Like watching it, I think there's a lot of intentionality. Like I think they're 
there was clearly a plan. Like, this wasn't just some show that they were like, oh, let's keep making something bigger every season because we don't know if we're going to get renewed. Like, I I do think that they had a plan after season one, and it was very clear that they were building to something. And, and it's clear that they're continuing to build to more. And I really like it. Just some of the best characters, some of the best, like, child actors on TV, like, period... Um, and just like a very interesting story. All right. So I'm really torn between two, one animated show and one live action show. But I think I'm going to go with The Boys season three. Every episode of that show is a wild ride. Like when you have that cast of characters going against the problems that that world presents itself, you're going to have crazy moments. And I feel like the craziest moments of that that show have happened in season three. And like every time you think the group is about to catch a break or whatever, <laughs> the tables turn again. Like the acting in the boys is incredible. And like the the I feel like the production values are only getting better in that show. Because like I feel like in the first season, maybe a bit to the second season, the effects and stuff weren't up to the scale that they should have been. But I feel like now like the boys has hit its stride. And it's become, honestly, for me, day one TV, like, or even the day before, like, when it drops at midnight, I watch it. Like, there's very few shows that I would do that with. Peacemaker and The Boys are two of them, obviously. But, like, they're now starting to spin off of The Boys now and, like, have they had the animated series. And they're going to be doing another series that's, like, the, I guess, like, the Teen Titans type of show where, like, they have all the the kids superheroes and stuff and like i find that the whole world that they've built it's phenomenal and like the the hierarchy of all the superheroes existing in that world is fascinating like it's just it's such a well-written show and to this point i still think season three is my favorite season of the show and that says a lot because i really did like the surprise factor that season one had for me personally because like i didn't know anything about the boys when i watched it now I read up a little bit in the comics, so like I kind of know what's to come. But that being said, they did change things even in season three. So in the acting, like Carl Urban as Billy Butcher is amazing. Yeah. Homelander is always just like this menacing threat that it's like a he's a loose cannon. Like you don't know what Homelander is capable of. He just demands the scenery every single time he's on screen. Like he has He's a particularly so... chilling scene that season. Yeah, and then there was also, like like I said, the most crazy thing I've ever seen on TV happened in season three. Yeah, that was uncomfortable to watch with other people. <laughs> I am happy to say I didn't watch it with anyone else, but I can imagine, but yeah. yeah try watching it with your brother and your mom. Yeah, I don't suggest watching a, spe- a particular episode of The Boys season three with people, but yeah, that that show was just fantastic. I'm so excited for season four. Thank you for reminding me, because I was trying to think of what I watched this year, because I don't watch a lot of TV either, but yeah, that would be my pick, too, so thank you, Mateo. One day, maybe I'll watch The Boys as well. I don't think I've seen season three yet. You should watch it, you know, it's really good. Yeah, I know, but then I have to set time aside, and it's just like... Okay, back to the games, huh? Yeah, so we'll start off with best art style in a game this year. I will start off. My favorite art style this year was Digimon Survive. I told myself, I'm like, you need to mention Digimon Survive somewhere. Because it was one of my favorite games this year. A game that will never get any recognition because Digimon is forever just going to be ignored. 
But that game's art style is fantastic. It's a visual novel. Looks like a moving anime. It is beautiful. Like it, it really looks fantastic. And I think it was my favorite. Like visually, it was my favorite game this year. Yeah, for me, this one was actually a really tough one. But then when I remembered the game that the Game Awards forgot about this year in terms of wins, Tunic. Tunic is simple in its art does in its art style. I love how like. The rocks are like squares and the trees are triangles. Like it's just so simple. That's beautiful in the like the color palettes are are fantastic. The environments are fantastic as well. And the thing is, like I love the character models. I love the fox character. How like he kind of has Link vibes, but he feels unique. Just the game itself, I feel like it's a cozy game, and. There isn't really anything like that that I played this year because I've played a lot of games that are they have a lot of gray to them and like or they're too bright. But I feel like Tunics is just a warm game that has the simplicity to it that I was so attracted to this year. Like I said, Tunic was robbed by other outlets, but like it really was one of the standout games. And I think the reason why or at least one of the reasons why it just stood out so much to me is the art style i have a honorable mention slash kind of like if only the demo wasn't released this year this would have been my choice kind of situation but um i've been following a youtuber for a while uh bellular gaming bellular warcraft for a few years and his gaming studio actually put out a demo for their new kind of like survival slash narrative game it's called the pale beyond and mm. it wasn't the full release of the game, but the art team for that, absolutely killing it. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, playing through that demo. I have it wishlist on Steam right now, and I cannot wait for the full release of that game. So hopefully for next year's, I will be able to say uh, bet, best art style will go to The Pale Beyond because I love what I'm seeing so far. And the narrative choices that I was able to make in that demo were very good too. Uh, but my my winner for this year probably has to go to Pokemon Legends Arceus. It looks like it's an old game, but like old in the sense of like when you think of like the 1920s, it's like black and white. Or when you think of like feudal Japan, it's kind of like a drawing on a canvas. And I feel like Legends Arceus really pulled that off with the way that the characters are dressed with the items and the pokeballs and everything in that game as well and just kind of like how everything has a slight tint of brown like i don't know it's i really enjoyed so the way when it comes to pokemon you like when there's a slight tint of, tint of brown when it comes to fromsoft games where everything's dreary and depressing you don't like a tint of brown because pokemon is normally bright and cheery and it's different opposed to like with fromsoft stuff if you because you brought this up they all look the same except for Elden Ring, which has a little <laughs> bit of green. Yeah. Elden Ring has color. But yeah, Pale Beyond demo was really good. And Pokemon Legends Arceus, I really like that one. Well, Riley? Really uh, twisted my arm for my answer here, huh? Riley said Elden Ring next. It is it is Elden Ring, yeah. But also, <laughs> I'd like to at least explain why. I feel it's because Elden Ring is so colorful relative to the other ones. And I think they did a good job in varying the environments. Much like Bloodborne was really cool because they did the whole Victorian Lovecraftian inspiration. I think the high, the higher fantasy setting of Elden Ring actually did a lot of favors with the enemy designs. There's still body horror abound, but uh, it's still cool seeing lots of dragons and other more classical mythological things. Another honorable mention again. I've honorable mentioned this a lot because I don't think I'm I'm going to choose it for anything. But I still think Ghost Song also had a very good 
they did a very good job with the art design. Honorable and mentioned, but never a winner. So it's hard to really recommend a game that only took like eight hours to almost 100%. Well, the best kinds of games. And nobody got time for anything more. Um, best level design. I gotta say God of War Ragnarok. Each of the nine realms had something unique and different. Even And even within the nine realms, like one of the ones that you go to has a day-night cycle and like the world itself reacts to what time of day it is. One of the worlds has the desert area with different weather patterns. It's like, okay, there's like sad storms and then it's clear and then there's like this weird spectacle in the sky. The way that the levels were all laid out, it set a tone, it set a mood and some of it was gameplay oriented as well, right? So like, for instance, like during the sandstorms, you couldn't see anything. So you had to go and do something to get rid of it. Or during the day, in certain parts of that one area of the game, you couldn't access things until you were able to come back at a later time when it was nighttime. Multiple playable characters really added a lot of things to Boat. I honestly feel like God of War had a lot of really cool stuff going for it. And I'm not disagreeing. I just think that a lot of what you describe more falls into art design than level design. There were gameplay features associated with those. Those are just some of the ones that just came off the top of my head. But then again, like of course, the Helheim Gauntlet is another big one. The, the frozen overworld of Midgard where, like, it's kind of set pieces. Like, this is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and I think that's valid. I think you can interpret level design how you want. I will say my favorite level design of the year is um, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. I thought there was a lot of cool variety in that game. And the way you interacted with the environment as well. It was also really cool to see Kirby in a 3D environment. Um, because we've been waiting for that for so long, and it was kind of nerve-wracking to see if it would work, and it did work really well. Um, I really enjoyed playing that game multiplayer and exploring that area, um, so I, I'm i giving it to Kirby. I also picked Kirby, and for a lot of the same reasons, but I just love the settings that they put Kirby in. Like, I loved the theme park world, and I felt like the water worlds, or like the beach world, and and the worlds that you are used to seeing Kirby in are so different now because it's in 3D. And like you said, we waited so long for Kirby to be in 3D. And the developers probably had these ideas for years. And they were finally able to put it into fruition. Like, Kirby works so well in 3D. And I just want them to keep doing that. Like, maybe the next time around, they can have, like, a four-player thing or make the multiplayer a little more substantial. But, like, Kirby in the Forgotten Land... Is fantastic, and it's honestly, it's a very underrated 3D platformer. People are going to be saying that for a long time because, like, it's not quite on the same level as like Mario and Banjo and Spyro and on my eyes. But like for the first time around, for a series that's only been 2D up to this point, they nailed it. All right. Also, Elden Ring, but it's because of the open world. I feel like that opens up a lot of options. And cough, cough, if someone took the time to explore, they might be able to find a way to circumvent their current roadblock, which I find is nice. We'll grind later. But yeah, I actually think the way they laid out the world, like, I think it did itself a lot of favors. It's actually fun to go and explore because you never know what kind of fun weapon or uh, piece of armor you're going to find just off the beaten path, which I think is really helps with the sense of adventure. It's not just beating your head against a boss. Now it's also getting to explore and try and plunder that beautiful world they created. Well, Alden Ring wins another category. <laughs> Wait, no, but give the honorable mention to Godspeed. God Song? Ghost Song? Ghost Song. Godspeed, the Flash villain. <laughs> a joke. Alden Ring does a lot of things well. Well, we'll move on to the next category. Best voice actor. Can I take 10 um, minutes to talk about this one? No. 
Okay, I'm just going to say Chris Judge uh, did a great job as Kratos, and that is all. Only that happened at the Game Awards. I will say that I think Ryan Hurst, who played Thor in God of War Ragnarok, did the best job of any actor in that game, and I think he deserved more recognition. I know he's not the main character, but he did a fantastic job. Although my real winner of Best Voice Actor this year is the Cats from Stray. That you're going to say that girl from Sonic Frontiers who sings the awful song? No, the cats from Stray did a great job. Those Wait. sounded like real cats. And my cat reacted every single time I pressed the meow button in that game. And they did a phenomenal job. Yeah, for me, I feel like the best performance in a game uh, that I played this year was Ashley Birch, who played not one, not two, but three characters in Horizon Forbidden West. She plays Aloy and Elizabeth Sobek in the original Horizon Zero Dawn, but she plays a third character that will not spoil in Horizon Forbidden West. And all three characters have completely different personalities. And I feel like actors struggle with one character, but she nailed having three. She did the motion capture as well. Like, I voted for Horizon Zero Dawn for best narrative. The narrative of that game is carried by the characters and she played three of the most compelling characters in that game so that alone should be recognized so i have to go with ashley birch so it's, uh, it's hard for me to say this but uh, i'm gonna have to say uh, jennifer hale's bayonetta need to get some controversy in here the old one sucked jennifer hale <laughs> did a great bayonetta as much as i like jennifer hale though that's not actually my pick it's actually just a toss-up between elser duncan for mimir or richard schiff for odin like i can't really pick it's both of them feel like together they equal one character. Riley, I'm surprised you didn't choose male voice one from Elden Ring. That just goes, No, uh, ah, no uh. Um, I was, Sarah and I went through some of the female voice, and mature, or I think it was mature female uh, three was really good. <laughs> they got nothing on cats from Stray. Meow. Um, now the next one is your favorite gameplay. So it's hard to say best gameplay because gameplay is so varied. So we're saying favorite gameplay. So basically just like what game just captured you this year in terms of gameplay? I'll just get out of the way and say Elden Ring. Yep. <laughs> no. It wasn't a game I was waiting five years for like any tidbit of news on. So it's not like I wouldn't just immediately devour it. And... I haven't finished this game yet, but I'm really enjoying the gameplay of Final Fantasy Crisis Core. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm doing all of the missions. I'm running around. I'm having a lot of fun with the uh, materia system that they have in that game. And it's just it's just good fun. I enjoy it. It is really fun. I'm glad you mentioned it somewhere because I wanted to mention it somewhere, but I couldn't find somewhere to mention it. You know, finish the finish the dialogue, though. I can't believe this. Then don't. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really torn on this one because it's a toss-up between two for me. One game of, of, of these two has one of the most novel, interesting mechanics that there was ever introduced into a game, in my opinion. But the other one is a game that completely refined a tried-and-true series. And I don't know which one I value more, but... Mateo, is that feature terrestrializing? No. It's from a Damn better it. Pokemon game. I think for best gameplay, I gotta go with Pokemon Legends Arceus. I've never been so caught up in catching Pokemon ever in a Pokemon game. Every time I saw a Pokemon, and like I remember, I, I know every single Pokemon, but every time you would see a new Pokemon not in your Pokedex, it felt 
like a magical moment. Oh my god, a Butterfree! Oh my god, a Weasel! Like, I felt that every single time I saw a Pokemon in that game. And it was just, it was so amazing. And I think the reason why is because they made the actual mechanic of catching Pokemon. It, it wasn't tied to a battle anymore. Like, you had to focus on sneaking around or, like, using items and stuff to attract Pokemon. And that itself to me was just like the gameplay loop of that game and like catching the pokemon to then progress the story progress your pokedex whatever boiled down to its core like that is what pokemon is all about he just got the essence of pokemon just so perfectly in that game to me like i think legends arceus is the better of the two pokemon games that came out in 2022 the battle system didn't have like an unnecessary gimmick to it like i did like the fast and the strong style for battles but even if you didn't want to battle, you didn't have to. You could have just avoided it. And, like, there's just so much player freedom there. And the world was so crucial to that as well. So just, like, I, I like the approach that they went with with Legends Arceus. And I really hope they have more games in the future that focus on just the catching of Pokemon. But then, just a quick shout-out, uh, the other game I was considering with this was Tunic not because of the actual like combat of tunic and the dodging and things like that i just love the way the manual was utilized in tunic like you find pages for the manual in the game to, to reconstruct the manual and then you have to decipher it with like even though you get a page you still don't know what it means because the it's in a different language and yeah, the manual has hints for puzzles to solve in the game and just like the way that it was utilized i feel like was something i'd never experienced in a game before like it and it's a nice callback to like the old days with video games where if you did have a problem you look at a strategy guide or you look at an instruction manual and the, the art on the manual is like reminiscent of like nes zelda which is so cool that type of innovation in a game i think definitely deserves the recognition but i still think because Pokemon's one of my all-time favorite series just the way that the gameplay really refreshed pokemon and legends arceus to me like that is just so important well um mateo you saved me some breath because <laughs> my gameplay favorite gameplay is tunic and you basically just said what i was gonna say everything about the manual um the discovery of the world um the dark souls kind of style of like dying like like very like combat and like boss focused but in like a 2d style like similar to, like zelda it was very, like, exploratory, and I liked it. And unlike something like Elden Ring, it didn't feel like a massive undertaking. I prefer something like Tunic, because one, the art style is more intriguing to me, and two, it doesn't feel like when I'm in that small of a sandbox that the idea of discovering and discovering my way through the game doesn't feel like a massive undertaking. And unfortunately, something like Elden Ring, I feel to truly appreciate it, I would need a vast amount of time to pour into it. And that's just not a reality for me. Yeah, I, I but I do think Tunic, gameplay-wise, was the most um, incredible experience I had this year. Oh, Tunic is so good. We have... A few more. So the next one is most anticipated game of 2023. Um, and for myself, Gino, and Matteo, it is also most anticipated game for 2023 and most anticipated game for 2023 that is not Zelda. Very well said. 
I did, wait, why did you assume that it wasn't my most anticipated game of the year? You haven't even played Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Do you know what mine is? No. There you go. It's so that it new FromSoft game that they announced with robots. Armored Core? No, it's not that. I mean, it's up there, but it's not that. I'm just going to go out there and say it. I want a new Bethesda game, and Starfield should be coming out eventually, so I'm going to say that. I cannot wait for Skyrim in space, and then the game is going to have all these janky bugs, and it's going to be great and broken, and then we're going to mod a bunch of wacky and crazy things into that, and the modding scene is going to take over, and it's going to be great fun like it was for Skyrim, so I can't wait for that. Yeah, if I had to pick a game that's not Zelda for my most anticipated game, it's one that I actually don't have to wait very long for. As of this recording, in 10 days, I'll be able to play Fire Emblem Engage. The more I see a Fire Emblem Engage, the more I get excited for it. Like, it seems like a step forward for the series, but also it's sort of a step back in a good way because like, it feels like it's taking a lot of inspiration from Fire Emblem Awakening in the gameplay sense, where, like, the engage mechanic seems like a more traditional mechanic, like the team-up mechanic that you had in Awakening. But it still has the place that you go to between levels, like Garrick Mock Monastery was in Fire Emblem Three Houses. So, and like, I don't think the story is going to be as long as Three Houses was, because, you know, you had three paths or whatever in Three Houses to go down. I feel like it's just going to be a more straightforward almost li like linear in a sense experience and i'm fine with that because last year 2022 i had that experience with fire emblem three hopes and i just want to take a little bit of a breather from fire emblem while also still playing you know a more traditional feeling fire emblem game but like it's this is going to be a, a love letter for fans the main character from every previous fire emblem game is coming back in this game. Plus, there's DLC that's going to add more characters, including the characters from Fire Emblem Three Houses. So, like, it just this game is going to be really special, and I just can't wait. It's so close. Until I'm surprised you didn't say Advance Wars. You know, who knows when that's coming out? Oh yeah, I forgot that game existed. So did Nintendo. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> of course, it's Tears of the Kingdom, but no Zelda because we're we're doing no Zelda because that would just be all of ours. Which, but I will say, that game will literally take over my life. I've deemed the month and potentially two months after it comes out the dead time where <laughs> no other games will be played. The other game that I'm most anticipated for for next year, which, if I'm being honest, I don't actually think is going to come out next year, but I'll say it either way, because if I'm being honest, of the games that are coming out next year, and if it comes out next year, it, it is my second for sure, is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, um, which is the second game in the Final Fantasy VII Remake project. And I'm not going to spoil Final Fantasy VII Remake, but there's a lot of reasons I'm excited for this um, because there's so much uncertainty around it and what they're going to do, as well as the fact that now that we know the game is a trilogy and not more, that really excites me because it means that this game most likely will go to a certain point in Final Fantasy VII um, that excites me like i actually think this one is the one that i'm the most excited for because the last one will be like the end game stuff which is whatever it is like that's fine but like this portion of final fantasy 7 is my favorite portion of final fantasy 7 so i'm very excited for rebirth so actually jules i, I want to hear what you think my most anticipated is it's silk song yeah if it comes out this year it is day one on game pass it is, but we'll we'll see. Like I'm still skeptical; it won't be delayed. But anyways, 
if it does come out, that is. If not, then it's Resident Evil 4 remake and then followed by Armored Core. Well, okay, favorite game in 2022. So this doesn't have to be the best game. It just has to be your favorite game. So what game would you say was your most enjoyable playing? I kind of already said it in best uh, gameplay, and I'm not going to repeat what I said, but Pokemon Legends Arceus was the most fun I've had playing a game this year. It's not necessarily the best game I played this year because there's a lot more things going on to me on a more technical level that I like that matter a lot when I say the best game of the year. But in terms of just pure fun, I have to go Pokemon Legends Arceus. And that came out at the very, very beginning of 2022. And I second that. That is also my favorite game this year. And for every reason that you said, that game had no right taking over my life. It was like, it, it, the last time I remember a game being like that was Three Houses, Fire Emblem Three Houses. It was like, I didn't anticipate, like, I was like, oh, this game's coming out, I'll play it. And I had no idea I was like literally going to absorb every ounce of free time I had. It was insane. Like, I love that game. I've actually been toying around with going back and playing it now. It was going to be Pokemon Legends Arceus for me also until Crisis Core came out. The original one on PSP was my first Final Fantasy game in a traditional sense. I was introduced to that before I was even introduced to Final Fantasy VII. And that is where I'm like, hey, other companies outside of Nintendo know how to make games. And going through that game again has just been a treat. It, it's been a... A big nostalgia trip, so I'm really, I'm really happy with that. That's it. And Riley's is at Elden Ring. Okay, next. Thanks, Gino. <laughs> okay, and the final hub award is the 2022 game of the year. What game do you think was the best game to release this year? God of War Ragnarok. It was absolutely awesome. Didn't have the same nostalgia appeal as Final Fantasy Crisis Core, but if Crisis Core wasn't around this year, God of War would have also gotten my favorite game 2022. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that story. I enjoyed how they tied up loose ends, and I'm really excited to see where things are going for the future. The gameplay was good. It didn't need to reinvent the will. God of War 2018's gameplay was really, really good. They did uh, tighten up and uh, add a few cool things to the, the main mechanics, which was great. Story was good. Music was great. Characters were lovable. They had brilliant moments, and the secondary cast really stepped up. So that's all I got to say about that. I echo everything you say. Like, that's my game of the year as well. Like, what I think was the best game. And even though I only got to play as Kratos twice <laughs> during my my playthrough of it with Riley and Yako, and even though I got to fight none of the cool bosses... I still very much enjoyed the game. But either way, I, I do think what made this game stand out to me um, was the Atreus gameplay. I, like, loved playing as Atreus. And I know I almost only played as Atreus. Um, but it definitely added a layer for me that made me enjoy the game more because I don't connect very much with Kratos' gameplay, even though I, I do really like the first game and this game. But Atreus' gameplay was like solid and like was really like my style. The quality of that game is just unreal. It's really, really well made. Uh, I won't dispute the quality of God of War. And in any other year, it probably would have won Game of the Year for me. But to no one's surprise, it is Elden Ring again. Also, pardon my French. I'm sorry. French is permitted when talking about Elden Ring. I just think it was 
honestly, I wouldn't say even everything a FromSoft game should aspire to be. I think it's what developers should look at that and try and distill some of its excellence into their own games. I think the scope of vision and ambition that uh, FromSoft had while making it was something that a lot of people could, could try to adapt. Yeah, and then for me, back in 2017, I really, really, really loved playing Horizon Zero Dawn, but unfortunately... Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild came out that year, and then like I could not, as much as I loved that game, I could not say it was my favorite game that came out that year. But this year, without question, it is Horizon Forbidden West. That game improves on the first game in literally every single aspect. Like the gameplay is more fluid, climbing has been improved. I think visually and musically, the game is better than the original. The story is so grand. But like the original Horizon, it's so focused on Aloy's quest. The environments are amazing, and just love all these like ma- like honestly, I would explain it as like magical moments of like realizing where you actually are in the game. There's the huge plot twist in the first game that I really don't want to spoil anything, but like when you find out where you are in Forbidden West, it's just one of those like it's a fantastic moment. I'm so excited for the DLC that's going to be coming out uh, this summer. Because like if it's anything like uh, the Frozen Wilds, it's just going to be even more amazing Horizon. And like I love how they've got like Hollywood level talent to play characters in this game. Like it's just, everything is just so much better. Like they they kicked it up a notch in all aspects. It's just an unfortunate. Like I just it's like a meme at this point that Horizon always gets overshadowed because it's happened with both games. But like. This really, really, really is such a fantastic series. And like Sony is doubling down on it. Like there's going to be more games coming. There's a show coming. Like it is getting the critical acclaim, but it just doesn't have for whatever reason, like the longevity that God of War had or Elden Ring had. But like it that shouldn't detract on the game. The experience, like if you play this game, I feel I, I feel most like people would say that what I'm saying about it, like it's just such a fantastic game such a fantastic world there's so many different ways to play it it's not a linear experience like it's it's one of the best open world games i've ever played and if you do play it play it on a ps5 with enhanced frame rate there you have it the hub awards 2022 it's been a good year for gaming we're about to go into what might be one of the most historic years of gaming lots of incredible games, lots of incredible films and TV shows coming out this year. So I'm sure the 2023 Hub Awards are going to be just as good. Um, We have a lot of content coming to you this year. Um, One of the ones coming up, we're going to be doing a big tier list in the coming months, um, maybe even as our next episode. Zelda is going to be a hot topic this year. So just like last year, we talked a lot about Pokemon and Sonic. I'm sure Zelda is going to come up a lot this year. Maybe I'll finally play through Breath of the Wild. Maybe, yeah, maybe that will happen. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of stuff this year. And here's a scoop for you to sign us off. Kicking off 2023, Noah got leaked tonight as we were doing this podcast. Big anticipated game this year. Banjo 3. You asked for it, Mateo. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. Nice. All right. But that brings us to the end of our quest, which means it is time for Gino to sign us off. Oh, wow. First time in 2023. Yep. That brings us to the end of today's quest. If you liked what you heard today, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button below. If you want to contribute to the conversation, let us know any ideas you have for upcoming quests, or just share your thoughts. Leave us a comment. 
Anyway, we'll see you next time at the Hub World. Mateo. Microsoft, make a new Banjo game. See everybody. Bye. See ya. Bye.